song, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I couldn't help but think about a conversation I had uh, with a Satanist years ago. And uh, as we were talking, I, I looked at her and I said, I feel so sorry for you. I said, because you are on the losing side. You're losing. And I said, and she said, how do you know? And I said, well, years ago with my family in Kentucky, we went into a cave. We went way down into that cave and we were walking. They had lights set up in the cave. And the tour guide about halfway through the journey stopped and said, uh, now I don't want anybody to get afraid, but we're about to shut the lights out. And she shut the lights out. And, and I'll never forget being underground, I don't know how many feet in that cave. And she said, put your hand in front of your face. I put my hand in front of my face and I couldn't see anything. It was the darkest of the darkness that I had ever seen in my life. Because I was underground in a cave and the lights went out. And then I'll never forget what she did. She said, if anybody's got a, a lighter, anybody got a, a big lighter, just flick your big, amen. And so, I, I don't know, I, I didn't have one because I didn't smoke or anything, but, but everybody uh, got their big lighter out and they flicked their big, amen. And guess what? Once they flicked the big, the, the darkness had to go. And so I told that Satan worshiper, I said, let me tell you how I know I'm a winner and you're a loser. Said, the reason why is because the smallest little candle in the world on a birthday cake can put out the darkest of the darkness. But, but there, listen, there's no, there's no darkness that's ever been created that can even put out the smallest little, little bitty little light. And I said, so that's how I know you serve the God of darkness and I serve the God of light. Amen. Aren't you glad you're on the winning side today? I'm so glad I'm on the winning side. Amen. Amen. Let me share something with you, just a few things before we uh, get into the Word of God. Uh, I know I made an announcement about the Gatlinburg trip. I know there's a, a couple of people that's uh, uh, expressed an interest in going. Uh, I don't know uh, who needs to talk to who or whatever, but uh, if you are interested in going to the Gatlinburg missions trip outreach, uh, the, we have two of them, but the one that's coming up uh, soon is going to be the last day of of May and the first three days of June. Last day of May, first three days of June. You know, we got a lot of people that go to Gatlinburg for vacation. But wouldn't it be awesome if we went to Gatlinburg to share our faith in Christ? And so if you'd like to go to that, uh, please just contact me. Get in touch with me. I'll give you all the information about uh, where we'll be staying and what we'll be doing. I promise you, you will get something from this outreach. And so uh, make a note of that. And and also, too, uh, next week, or here in a few days, I'll be packing up uh, and heading down to South Georgia, to Savannah, Georgia, to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Uh, and so uh, I'm excited about this. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Savannah, Georgia has the second largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the country. New York, I think, is number one. And so literally, I, I kid you not, in three days, I will probably preach to about 60 to 70,000 people uh, out there on that river. 
River Street. And so uh, I've got a couple of people that's going with me. I've got boatloads of tracks. I'm hoping to witness to a boatload of people, pray with a lot of people, uh, and uh, witness to a lot of people. How many of you know there's a lot of prodigals in that party crowd? Uh, and so I want to go and be a voice to them. And so uh, pray for me uh, this coming next week as I travel uh, down there to Savannah, Georgia. Uh, and, and something else I want to share, I would share it at the end of the message, but uh, I don't want to forget about it. But I have been praying for you all. And listen, you guys are in a transition. You really are. You know, you had a wonderful pastor, Brother Houston, a wonderful dear brother, uh, done an outstanding job while he was here, uh, but he felt it was his time to go. And so he left, and thank God he left uh, with the blessings of this body. He didn't leave in a bad way. And so I'm, I'm glad for that. But uh, when I found out about the church and, uh, and, and wanted to come and, and uh, fill in and preach, uh, it's been an honor for me. And so uh, the board is still earnestly praying uh, for the right person for this body and so I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them I know that there's been some um, talk it's come back to me about well brother Jerry uh, why don't you take the pastorate here why don't you do that and and listen I I appreciate that I am flattered uh, to know that some of you uh, perhaps uh, would want me to be your pastor but I just know in this season of my life uh, that I am not to pastor. I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do and that's traveling the nation, waking up this sleeping giant called the church and doing outreaches across the country. And so uh, I appreciate that, but I want to let everybody know, I just want to put it to rest that uh, I am not uh, going to be taken or will not assume the pastorate here. So uh, we're just praying, believing God that God is going to bring the right person. Amen? Amen? I don't. I didn't want to put a damper or anything, but uh, man, God knows. God knows exactly what you all need. And I, I tell you what, and when I say that I'm praying for this board, uh, the board members, I am really, really praying. How many of y'all are praying for the board members? Amen? So be, be lifting them up that God will lead them and guide them uh, to that right person. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, today I want to share a message with you uh, for just a, a simple title, Almost is Not Enough. Almost is not enough. And I've got several verses. If you want to follow along with me, you may. Uh, One is in Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And I want to start reading in verse 19. I'll be reading uh, several verses. Acts chapter 26. And by the way, it's great to have my wife with me, Jeanette. Acts chapter 26, verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the regions of Judea, then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works befitting to repentance. How many of you know that that's what we need today is the message of repentance? There is no salvation without repentance. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You must repent. You cannot turn to God unless you're willing to turn away from something. It's a turning away and a turning to. It's both of those. Uh, And and verse 21. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. How many of you know if you preach the message of repentance, there's always a price to pay for it, right? 
It said, therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be first to rise from the dead, that he would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning has drove you mad. Uh, we, we should stop there. Can I chase a rabbit just for a moment? How many of you know that when you get good old heartfelt salvation, sometimes people will think you're crazy? I had somebody tell me years ago, well, preacher, we think you lost your mind. I said, you're exactly right, and I received the mind of Christ. I've lost my mind, and I've got the mind of God. Oh, well, you know what? My aunt, she had that religion, and it drove her stone crazy. Well, let me tell you, I don't have religion. I got good old heartfelt salvation, amen? And that'll make a difference in your life. Uh, so uh, it doesn't matter if the world thinks we're crazy. Let them think whatever they want to. Notice what this says. He said, for the king before whom I also speak freely, know these things, for I'm convinced that none of these things escape his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. Now here's the verse I want you to zero in on, these next two verses. King Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. You almost persuaded me. He said, uh, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Of course you believe the prophets. Yes. Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Now, I'm not a Bible theologian, but I don't believe that King Agrippa ever came to God even after that encounter with the Apostle Paul. Paul was considered in his day one of the most important men alive. Let me tell you something. He was, a, he was a great man of God. And here he stood in front of an important person. And that important person said, Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. One of the words in the English language that I really have disdain for is the word almost. Almost. Well, you know what? I almost got saved when that altar call was given. You know what? I almost made my marriage work, but I didn't. I almost did this, and I almost. How many of you know that almost is not enough? Oh. My goodness, do you realize that if 99% was okay, if we could just settle for 99%, if the world or if America just settled for 99%, well, 99% is pretty good. Do you realize if that's true, then over 2 million documents would be lost by the IRS every year if 99% was okay? 2 million documents. Think about that. Not only that, but 22,000 checks would be deducted from the wrong bank account in the next 60 minutes if 99% was okay. Think about that. 12 babies would be given to the wrong parents every day if 99% was okay. Not only that, but 268,000 defective tires would be shipped every year. 291 pacemaker operations would be performed incorrectly this year if 99% was okay. How many of you know that in a lot of cases, 99% is not enough? 
Almost is not enough. Listen, I don't want to be known for the person of almost. Well, he almost accepted the call of God to preach. He almost prayed this day, but he got busy. No, almost is not enough. And when it comes to the almost kind of life, God is not into that at all. How many people today you know that started out saved, serving God, living for God, and now they're in a horrible backslidden condition? Think about that. Oh, they started the race, but something deviated them. They started the race, but something caught their attention. They fell into a besetting sin. They started the race, but they have no intention on getting back in the race. Let me tell you something, friends. Almost is not enough. I want you to look at Luke chapter 14. Go with me there. Luke chapter 14. Are y'all still with me? Almost. I hope you're not. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Notice what it says here. I'll get it here. We'll get it here in a minute. Luke 14, 28. For which of you for which of you intending, intending, notice the word intending, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Everybody say finish. finish. Notice that. Notice the next verse. He said in verse 29, he said, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Notice the next verse in verse 30. He said, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Several days ago, I was going to uh, muscle shows. I live in Florence, Alabama. We call it the Quad Cities because it's Sheffield, Muscle Shows, Florence, uh, and then Tuscumbia. So it's four little towns kind of joined together. But as I was going to this one particular neighborhood, I was taken back by all the empty, vacant buildings. And I thought, you know, here we got all this homeless people in the world, but how many empty buildings do we have in our country? So many empty buildings. And listen, I don't know the story behind those empty buildings. I don't know if the person who started that building went bankrupt and decided he had to leave the building. But here now we see nothing but an empty building. We have so many people today that have empty lives. Just like empty buildings. So many uh, buildings that we see today, uh, friends, that started to be built. But something happened and they realized halfway in building this building, you know what, I don't have enough money to complete it. And everybody that walked by laughed at that person and said they started to build but they wasn't able to finish. You know what? God wants you to finish. Just like we have a lot of unfinished buildings, we have a lot of unfinished people too. Unfinished. Unfinished. And listen, for some reason, they're not surrendering their God. They're not yielding to God. They're not letting God finish what God started in their life. I don't know about you. But I have a great desire in my heart to let God finish what he started in my life. How about you? 
Do you want God to finish what He started in your life? Are you willing to surrender to Him? Are you willing to cooperate with God so that God can finish what He started in your life? You know, I know so many people today who at one point in their life were great preachers of the gospel of Jesus. They loved God with all their heart. They made a difference. But you know what? They're out of the race now. They're out of the race now. And you know what? It breaks the heart of God. Listen, almost is not enough. It's one thing to have so many unfinished buildings and projects, but it's another thing to have so many unfinished people. There are people who start the race, but for many reasons, they wasn't able to finish the race. You know, when I was preparing for this, I couldn't help but think about a, a little story I heard of a snail. A snail was inching its way up an apple tree on a cold February day. He was just uh, sliming his way up this apple tree. And about halfway up the apple tree, a, a worm stuck his head out of the crevice of the bark. And he looked at that snail and said, what in the world are you doing? And the snail said, I'm going to go up at the top of the tree and get an apple out of that tree. All of a sudden, the worm looked at him and said, you stupid. He said, it's February. There's not an apple up there. And the snail replied and said, I know, but there will be when I get up there. Amen. There will be when I get up there. In other words, listen, I, I know there's not an apple up there, but I'm on this journey and I'm not going to deviate from it now. Friends, God spoke something to my heart years ago and I will never forget it in my prayer time. He just gave me two words that thundered in my soul. Divine determination. I want to say that again. Divine determination. Could we say that together? Divine determination. Could we say it a little bit louder? Divine determination. Could we say it a little bit louder so the devil can hear? Divine determination. Oh, y'all are so good. Divine. Let me tell you something, church. You and I will face difficulties in our life. You and I will face heartache in our life. You and I will have pain and suffering in our life. And our willpower will only go so far. Our friends that we have can only do so much. And listen, I'm not talking about human resolve or willpower. I'm saying that there comes a time in our life where we have to step outside of ourselves and tap into a resource that the world knows nothing about, friends. It is called divine determination. There's things that you'll face in your life that only the power and the strength and the grace of God will see you through. There's things that you will go through, friends. You listen, your personality will only go so far. Your own persuasion can only go so far. But God can take you all the way through. Amen. It was by perseverance that the snail entered the ark. You and I need to have a persevering mindset. We need to say to ourselves, almost is not enough. I'm going to let God finish what He started in my life. I'm not going to allow the devil to abort the plan and the purpose of God for my life. Amen. If anybody should have a purpose on this planet, it should be you. 
We have a purpose on this planet as the people of God. Amen. Try to say that three times. We have a purpose on this planet as the people of God. You and I are pregnant with divine purpose. Every day we should get up in the morning and look ourselves in the mirror and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to go through. I'm going to cross this finish line. I'm going to cross this finish line. We need to take this to the bank. God is or God never will be out of reach or out of touch with a true believer. Listen, He is as close as the mention of His name. Our God is just a prayer away. One of my life verses, and you can turn, Gail, if you will, to Acts 20-24. I love this verse. Matter of fact, I'm going to share my heart with you here. This verse sums up my whole life. This verse, from the time that I got saved, when I read this verse, it, it become my life verse. I think everybody should have a life verse, a verse that God really speaks to you by. by. And this is my life verse. Um, I hope I don't start crying. Bless the Lord. But none of these things. I, I perhaps know what Paul was talking about when he said none of these things. He even gave the list in Corinthians and in Romans. He said, I've been in perils by my own countrymen. I've been beaten with steel rods. I've been shipwrecked. I've gone through this and I've gone through that. When, when he seen Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Paul, I'm going to show you what things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. You know, they say that when you first get saved, you have this initial honeymoon with God. I don't know how your salvation went, but it didn't go that way with me. Amen. I mean, when I first got saved, it was like God said, okay, boot camp day one, Bubba. <laughs> boot camp day one. And you know what? Little did I know that I was going to enter a, the most wonderful school in the world. It's called the school of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I got a degree in neology. And listen, I begin to understand the ways of God. I begin to understand the character of God. I begin to understand that, uh, that, it, that it wasn't a popular thing to really take a stand for God. And if you truly wanted to live for God, it was a road that would often be a steep and narrow and lonely. So many people get up here and sing songs on Sunday, Kumbaya, Lord, I want to be just like you. And God said, oh, really? Are you kidding me? I'm sort of like Leonard Ravenhill who said, we got people that wants to go to the Holy Land and say, wouldn't it be awesome to walk where Jesus walked? Well, wouldn't it be awesome to have people to live the way Jesus lived? Oh, Amen. You and I need to understand that God wants to finish what He started. He said, none of these things move me. I've been rejected by my own family. I've been persecuted. I've been stomped on. I've been urinated on. I've been taken to jail. Matter of fact, going to St. Patrick's Day uh, brings up memories because the last time I was there, a guy hit me in the mouth. So I'm not looking forward to all that. But I don't do it for them. I do it all. For him. Amen. Even though they don't deserve salvation, he deserves them, even though they don't deserve him. 
He said, but none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my race with joy in the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let me ask you something. Are you going to have divine determination today? Are you going to let God swell your heart with intentions and say, you know what, God, listen, I may have a Gethsemane experience. I may pray until my sweat becomes as as great drops of blood, but I always want the response to say, not my will, but your will be done, oh God. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. Say amen every once in a while. Let me know you're still alive. You say amen to me. That's not saying sick them, sick them, sick them. I don't know about you, but I want to keep my eyes on the prize. I want to spend the rest of my life running to God and not running away from God. He will never complete me if He's always competing with outside influences. If I don't give Him control, I am destined to be out of control. Nothing is hid from the eyes of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. And while you're turning there, I'll get me a drink of water. By the way, thank you all, those of you that are watching by live stream. We appreciate you tuning in. Hebrews 4.13, for there's no creature hidden from his sight. No creature hidden from his sight. But all things, you know what all means? All. But all things are naked. Everybody say naked. I saw a guy that had a Christian t-shirt that said get naked. I, and, and I was offended by that shirt, get, get naked. And then he had Hebrews 4.13 under it. Get naked, Hebrews 4. How many of you know that God sees you just the way you are? Amen. He sees you in your failure. He sees you in your frustration. He sees you in your depression. He sees you when you fall down. And He sees you when you get back up. God sees you. He knows you, friend. God sees you. He sees you. He said, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who, to whom we must give an account. Hmm. How many of you know that one day we're going to give an account to God? Amen. We have so many people that's like the, the slave that lived on a southern plantation. He told his family one night, he said, I'm tired of being a slave. He said, I'm tired of being whipped. I'm tired of being treated so inhumane. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And when it gets nighttime, I'm leaving the plantation and going to run away. They said, oh, you shouldn't do that because they have dogs. They'll track you down and they'll kill you. They'll beat you unmercifully. He said, you know what? I'm sick of being a slave. I'm leaving. And he did. Nightfall came and he left and he ran as fast and as hard as he could knowing that it would be just soon that the dogs would be chasing him wanting to kill him. He found himself getting so deep in the woods that for two solid years he literally lived like an animal eating leaves and bugs and everything he could do was to stay alive. And in his mind he said, I'd rather live in the woods and live like an animal than to live on this plantation as a slave. And after two years he crossed an old dirt road and a white man saw him and said, hey, hey, what are you doing? Come here. All of a sudden... 
He fell to his knees and said, please don't take me back to the plantation. He said, what? He said, I'm begging you, please don't send me back to the plantation. All of a sudden, the, the white man looked at him and said, what are you talking about? He said, where have you been? He said, didn't you know Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves two years ago? What's the moral of that story? The moral of the story was that this man was living in the woods thinking in his mind that he was a slave not knowing the reality that he was a free man. Let me tell you something. We got folks coming into church every Sunday and even though God declares them free, they're still living like they're a bunch of slaves. I don't know about you, but I, I am not a slave anymore. Amen. I, well, you, oh, you're just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm a saint of God. Oh, Amen. I'm not a, listen, I'm not a saint of God by anything that I have done. I'm a saint of God because of what somebody else has done. Yep. Amen. Listen, I, I, I stand uh, uh, not condemned, not because of what I've done, but because of what somebody else has done. He's the one that declared me not guilty. Him, Jesus. So I walk in that freedom. I walk in that identity, not as a sinner, but as a saint. He calls a saint all throughout the New Testament. Are y'all still with me now? Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. I love this verse. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. How many of y'all know that God sees everything? God sees every abortion that's ever been performed in the name of convenience. He sees the jails and institutions that are filling up. He sees the war that is around our world. He sees everything. There's nothing that hid from the eyes of God. And for some of you here this morning, that's scary. Because if you're not living the way you should be living, if you're not really surrendered to God, knowing that God has His eye on you, ooh. but for those of us who want to live for God, those of us who want to please God, we take comfort in the fact that God sees us and He loves us anyhow. He sees us. Let me tell you something. God saw Noah with faith to survive the flood, and yet He also saw Noah drunk. God saw Moses in his faith, but also in his anger and impatience when he smote the rock. Now, God saw David writing the great psalms of praise in worship, but yet he also saw him with Bathsheba. He saw Peter with his inconsistencies in confessing Christ and then denying him. But he also saw Peter under the unction of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. God sees everything. You know what that means? That means that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. Years ago, there was a church that I used to go to in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Anybody know where Punxsutawney is? 
I used to go there every year. There was an Assembly of God church there that I would go. And I was always caught off guard because when I walked in that uh, large foyer, I was taken back by this gorgeous mosaic. It was a picture of Jesus praying at the rock in the garden of Gethsemane. And I'd always observe that picture every year from a distance. And finally, this year, I was able to get up real close to that picture. And when I got up close to it, I saw what it really was. You know what it was? It was a mosaic, but it was a whole bunch of little bitty rocks all put together to make this beautiful mosaic. And you know what? I couldn't help but think about, I wonder how many people walk by that pile of rocks. And when they walk by that pile of rocks, all they saw was a pile of rocks. That's all they saw was a pile of rocks. But one day, somebody different walked by that pile of rocks. He happened to be an artist, and he saw more than a pile of rocks. He saw something that he could put his hands on and put up and make something beautiful out of it. He saw something that somebody would come by and marvel at and say, oh, how beautiful that is. When in reality, it was nothing but a pile of rocks. You know what? A pile of rocks may be a pile of rocks, but it depends on whose hands it's in. How many of you know with the hand of God on your life, you're more than just a pile of rocks? With the hand of God on your life, with God, with God leading you and guiding you and speaking to you, you're a whole lot more Amen. than a pile of rocks. Amen. You know what you are? You're a trophy of God's amazing wow. grace. When God looks at you, God sees the end in the very beginning. When God looks at you, He sees the finished product of your life. He knows what you have the ability to do. And God is waiting on you to surrender to Him so y'all can do it together. I don't know about you, but almost is not enough. Almost is not enough. I want to share this story in closing. And I normally have three closings, but... I won't have that many today. By the fifth grade, by the fifth grade, I was bearing all the fruit of a kid who felt insecure, unloved, and pretty angry at life. In other words, I was tearing the place apart. My teacher, Miss Simon, apparently thought that I was blind to this problem because she regularly reminded me, Howard, you are the worst behaved child in this whole school. So tell me something I don't already know, I thought to myself, as I proceeded to live up to her opinion of me. Needless to say, the fifth grade was probably the worst year of my whole life. Finally, I was graduated from the fifth grade for obvious reasons. She just wanted to get rid of me. I left Miss Simon's words ringing in my ear. Howard, you're the worst behaved child in this whole school. You can imagine what expectations uh, when I came to the sixth grade. The first day of class, my teacher, Miss No, went down to roll call, and it wasn't long before she called my name, Howard Hendricks. She called out, glancing at her list, and I was sitting there with my arms folded. She looked me over for a minute. She walked over to me and said, Howard, I have heard a lot about you. He looked at her, and finally she said, but I don't believe a word of it. 
That statement changed that man's life. He began, she began to spend time with Howard. Why? Because she saw something in him that was worth salvaging. She began to pour into Howard. Not only did Howard turn his life around, but he turned into a straight A student. He went all through high school. He went all through college. And he went all through medical school. And his teacher, his fifth grade teacher, came to see him when he graduated. He became, he went on to become one of the greatest doctors we have ever had in our country. Let me tell you something. Here was a man who said, I'm not going to get sidetracked by Satan. I'm not going to believe his filthy lies over me anymore. Oh. Almost is not enough. Not only am I going to let God do a work in my life, I am going to cross the finish line. Amen. Let me tell you something, church. I am 62 years old, and I know that I don't look like that. I know I look like I'm about 30. I mean, I understand that. But I'm 62 years old, and I have more determination to let God finish what He started in my life than ever. Than ever. I have more determination. And it's not anything within myself, but it's the power of God working through and in my life. Amen. Almost is not enough. Listen, one of these days, perhaps sooner than we realize, Jesus is going to come for his church. Amen. You know what? He's coming for us, he's coming to us in the closet. But one of these days, He's coming for us in the clouds. And I really believe that when we go we stand before God, we're going to look around and we're going to want to see every single one of us there. You know, I wish I could say with utter confidence, everybody that I'm looking at right now, everybody, I can guarantee it, everybody, a year from now, they'll be serving God. Five years from now, they'll be serving God. It doesn't matter what happens in our country or who's the president. I can count on these people. They're going to be serving God. They have that much determination in their soul. But I don't know if I can say that with other confidence. And the reason why is because the Bible said that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to ask you something. Will you allow God to place within your heart a divine determination? Will you allow God to place within your heart this determination that said, I want to be like an old Timex watch. Even if I take a licking, I want to kill, still keep on ticking. I want to, I want to, I want to do that. I want divine determination. I want to ask you to do something this morning before we get ready to close. How many of you, and listen, don't you stand up quickly. Please don't do that. Matter of fact, I ask you not to stand up quickly because the scripture says, how many of you, that when you build a tower, you don't first count the cost? Mm. Living for God has been the most hardest thing that I have ever done in my whole life. But it's been the best thing that I have ever done in my whole life. 
I don't have any regrets living for God in my life. If I had it to do all over again, I would have surrendered to Him a whole lot earlier in my life. You know what? I have that determination. God has put that in my heart. Oh, Jerry, have you had some weak days? Have you had some discouraging days? Honey, I've had days where I felt discouragement constantly nipping at my heels. But you know what it did? It drove me into the closet of prayer. You know what I want to be? I want to be like Job when he lost it all. Though he slayed me. Yet will I trust him. Yes, I will trust Him no matter what happens in my life, no matter how much heartache, if I cry myself to sleep so much that I don't even have any more tears left. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what? Listen, almost is not enough. And if I leave this world before you do, the first thing I want to do is see my precious Savior. I can't wait to look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. I want to see Him more than anybody I will ever want to see. And then I want to see my family. You know what I want to do? I want to turn around and I want to see you there. I want to see you there. You need to determine in your heart, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it. I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm simply going to get better. I'm not going to give up. I'm simply going to get up. God is going to help me. His grace is sufficient for me. Amen. If that's you this morning, you say, Brother Jerry, I'm going to let God finish what he started in my life. I'm going to count the cost. And I'm going, to, I'm going to let God lay the bricks, build the tower, and it's going to be something that people's going to walk by and marvel at. You know what? This man started and this man finished because God was on his side. I, 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 not, almost is not enough. I'm going to let God complete what he started in my life. It, regardless of how hard it is, that's me. If that's you, I want you to stand up. If that's you. Think about it. Think about it before. Let me tell you, I've asked the Lord to put fear in your soul. I've asked God to strike fear in your soul because don't you make a vow. Don't you stand up and say, oh, well, I just want everybody to see me. I'm the one standing up. Let me tell you something, friends. You have absolutely no idea what you're going to go through in your life. You have absolutely no idea how bad it's going to get in this country. But I tell you, if God be for you, who can be against you? And with God on your side, you must not fail. With God on your side, you cannot fail. God will help you all the way. If you feel comfortable in stretching your hands toward heaven right now, would you do that, Father? God, in the name of Jesus, you see your children. You see us, God, committed. Lord, in this message, almost is not enough. King Agrippa said, Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. But almost is not enough. 
God, in Jesus' name, we want to give our lives to you. Not just one time, but over and over and over again. God, we want to strengthen our resolve towards you. We want to strengthen our commitment towards you, God. We want you to finish what you've started in our life. We want you to take away the old and put on the new. We want you to do a work in our life, God, that no man can do. We want you to do a work in our life that only you can do, oh God. Father, we surrender to you. We give our lives to you, God, without sacrifice and without reservation, God. We thank you for changing and rearranging us, God. Let us know that, that almost is not enough. God, we want you to finish what you started. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. How many of y'all got something from this? Hallelujah. Listen, folks, and I, I'm going to close it. If you need prayer or anything, I'll be glad. Listen, if I stay here all day and pray for y'all, I'll be more than happy to do that, to pray with you, pray for you. Uh, or if you need to call me, I'm sure the board members have got my telephone number. You can call me. Just don't call me real late because I'm in bed asleep. No, no, if you need to, that's fine. But just, uh, you, know, if you, you know, I'm here to serve this body for as long as I'm here, and I appreciate you folks immensely. Amen. How many of y'all glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Hey, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be here than any intensive care unit in any hospital. I'd rather be here. I'd rather be here than any jailhouse that I know of. I, I thank God that I'm here. Amen. I think. Why don't you greet somebody? Greet a few people. Let them know how much you appreciate them. God bless you. Glad y'all came. Don't forget Wednesday night service. Amen. Appreciate you.